0: Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas.
1: Hello and welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. This is Tom Barber, Extension Weed Scientist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. If you're new to downloading our podcast series, the Weeds Are Wild podcast is produced weekly during the growing season, so From about March uh, through September or October, and myself as well as my fellow Arkansas weed scientists, Dr. Tommy Butts and Dr. Jason Norsworthy, generally share time. So about a third of the time I'll do them and and we'll share the rest of the time uh, covering timely topics for weed control and row crop production uh, in the state of Arkansas. Today, I'm very fortunate to have Dr. Jason Kelly with me. Jason is uh, our Extension Corn and Small Grain Specialist with the U of A Division of Ag. So welcome back to the Weeds Are Wild podcast, Jason.
0: Well, Well, thank you very much, Tom. Pleasure to be on here today with you.
1: Yeah, glad to have you. And for this episode, Jason and I are going to discuss best management practices for corn production in Arkansas and some key recommendations to consider before you put that first corn seed in the ground this spring, and Jason, I know there are some that are out there and ready, and some have already got a little early start on us this year.
0: (laughs) That's right, Tom. I mean, you know, I mean, last week, it seemed almost like summertime. I mean, this weekend, and so now everybody's got their coats on, and uh, back to wintertime, but yeah, you know, we've got some corn planted in the state, uh, probably a little more than what I thought. I know we had to The last system we came through had some ice and rain and all that, but, uh, you know, we had some fields dry out a little quicker than I thought, and uh, last week we had several producers, I'd say several, but a handful of producers that uh, started planting corn, uh, typically, you know, up to about I-40 and south. And so, you know, that that early planting, you know, like everything, Tom, I mean, some years early planting is the way to go and some years it's not. And so there's a little more risk with that early planting. And, you know, this weather we got coming in this weekend, uh, you know, that little bit of corn we got planted, it's uh, really going to pull down those soil temperatures. And so, you know, corn that now, given this forecast, it may take two, two and a half weeks to come out of the ground, I I would guesstimate so you know that's uh that, that's the way it always goes right it's always uh hurry up and uh you never know what the weather's going to do down the road so you know that early planting I know, I know last year some of our corn growers they they really uh wanted to plant early because they were looking at some july contracts and so that's always an incentive for some of our growers that uh, you know especially down south where they can get uh some years they can get corn harvested at the end of July, first part of August, and, and tap into that early corn market.
1: Well, I, I imagine with the, if it does get down into the twenties this weekend, we're going to be happy that that corn is probably still in the ground <laughs> and not up out of the ground. Yeah, remember, exactly. What was that twenties? Was that 2007? two thousand and seven?
0: Yeah, we, two th- yeah. two thousand and seven. That that was the big year. You know, that was a year that you know, if you go back and look at the historical weather records, I mean, we were off the charts warm in, in March. And so we we had, I mean, gosh, I remember that year, basically everybody was almost done planting corn by the end of March. And, you know, the first week in April, that uh, cold front came through and uh, we ended up replanting a lot of that corn. So, you know, I mean, this is er- early March, uh, not not early April. So, you know I guess it's not unexpected to have a cold snap right now. It's uh probably normal, but uh it is a good thing we're not gonna have a lot lot planted up to, up to right now.
1: Well and I know, you know, just like everything, I know in these meetings we talk about prices of inputs and fertilizer, chemicals, seed, you know, everything's going input uh, going up in cost, fuel. And so you know the importance of doing everything right the first time to me is going to be even more important this season just because we're not going to have a lot of money left in the budget I don't think.
0: No that's, that's exactly right I mean you know if you look at the budgets for corn fertilizer of course is the big input but the second largest for most of our fields is, is going to be seed and uh, you know $125 an acre in seed, uh, you know, you hate to go put it out there and get in a situation where you have to replant. Now, you may get a, a partial replant uh, credit from the seed company, but but still, that's, uh, you know, going to be some extra money out of your pocketbook that you really weren't counting on.
1: Right, and I, you know, and speaking of seed, you know, I've got a lot of questions at our grower meetings, and and actually just really some more comments than questions about Uh, not necessarily hybrid selection from a a yield standpoint, but more from a herbicide tolerance standpoint. And I guess that I've I've got a lot of comments this winter that there may be more conventional corn planted just maybe due to expenses and just because it's a little easier to control weeds in corn than some of our other crops. And we may not need that, uh, you know, the, the roundup ready gene and, in that hybrid that they want to grow so. you
0: know that that it is you know 10 years ago really uh or maybe it's been longer than that time i mean it's been several years but i, I know one time I, I figured we probably had one or two percent conventional corn in the state and you know there were some little areas that had that uh you know that area in lone Oak county has been area where they've had conventional corn for quite a while but uh you know yeah i mean you know you can get a, a discount on the seed. Uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, the premium for non-GMO corn can, can be pretty substantial. Sometimes it's not. Maybe it depends on how long you, you want to hold on to that corn in the bin. But, uh, you know, I, I think there are more people looking at that. But then there's others that, uh, you know, like everything, if, if, if there's a risk, uh, you know, they're going to pay you a little bit more for it, hopefully. And so, so, some people, that extra risk may not be worth it. So I've heard a lot of people say that that comment as well, Tom, that, uh, you know, I uh, I get I don't want to give glyphosate drift on my conventional corn and then have, have issues later on. So, um, yeah, but, you know, th- there's are some areas where there's a lot of conventional corn really, really surprising.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, again, with a year with glyphosate being so expensive, I mean, I think that gets them to think, well, why do I even need it in my system if I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm if i not going to use it in corn this year? Because corn is one of those crops that, you know, we have some herbicides available. Hopefully atrazine is not going to be on a nationwide shortage this year. If it is, it'll get really, really interesting yeah, uh, right. in, in our corn weed control uh, programs. But you know, yes, we can develop a good weed control program without glyphosate. Now, does glyphosate bring a lot to the table for weed control? Yes, it still does, in my opinion, in corn. I mean, especially when we talk about grasses and some of our, you know, weird weeds, not necessarily pig weed, but I mean, glyphosate or Roundup does add control to our other programs in the, in the corn weed management system. So it still does have a value there. Can we get by without using it? Yes, we can. We just got to probably be a little more timely and we for sure need to have a good supply of Atrazine on hand. I'd say if, if we're not going to uh, go the glyphosate route, and, you know, Atrazine is one of those, Jason, I am hearing that it is kind of short as far as a standalone product, uh, Atrex or, you know, whatever a generic formulation of Atrazine that, that uh, may be applied to the, to our corn, but you know, when the pre-mixes, it seems like there's still an availability. So like the Bicep 2 Magnums, the Harness Extra, various pre-mixes with Atrazine seem to be available. So I think, you know, if it does become short as a single product, I think we're more likely to get it in a in a pre-mix. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: kind of like what you mentioned, Tom, I mean, I've heard some producers that, uh, you know, back in January, last fall, they had their crop mix plans. You know, I'm going to have a third soybeans, 50% rice and some corn in there. And, you know, one of them here a while back said, well, you know, the, the corn, like you say, I can manage my weeds pretty easily without Roundup if I couldn't get it. And, uh, you know, they, they had concerns about uh, availability of some of the products for soybeans. And, you know, at that point in time, he says, I'm going to switch some acres that were intended to go to soybeans to corn, just because I feel like I've got the inputs to control my weeds.
1: Right. No, I, that's exactly right. And I think I think we do. I think we'll be all right. There's a lot of alternatives in corn, a lot of different ways we can uh, manage those weeds, uh, especially in Arkansas in our corn crop. Yep. So um, when we think about getting that planter ready to go, what is there anything that, that we really need to get out there, Jason, talking about uh, best management practices before we put that seed in the ground? I mean, is there any final things growers should be thinking about?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, corn, so much everything is driven by stand, and so you know, if we get a ninety percent stand or eighty five percent stand, we're 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 probably going to have some yield loss there. So, you know, to me, the big big thing is don't take the planter out there until the the soil conditions are right. So, don't push it because it's a little bit wet, wanting to get it in. You know, maybe wait a little bit there, but you know, as far as the planters, you know, these planters are so much, uh, so many computer controls now, right? right? It's not, uh, they're more complicated than, uh, than my, my, some of these computer programs we try to run, but, you know, I, I think there's really still no substitute for getting off the tractor, uh, getting out there, digging around the seed, seed furrow and figuring out what you got. And so, you, you know, you'd be surprised how many calls I get, you know, the day after somebody planted their first field or the week after their their first field emerged. And uh, somebody will say, well, what what do I do with a population of (laughs) 60,000? (laughs) <laughs> you know 60,000 you know that that's something that uh you know some, somewhere along the line we got things mixed up either left the, the soybean
1: plate in there or yeah
0: we've had that happen <laughs> uh you know you know maybe some of the older planters where you got the you know high low range gears maybe you got off one there uh for whatever reason i mean we we end up with some that's extremely high populations or extremely low populations. so you know, to me, there's there's really no substitute for getting out there and, and looking. So, you know, if we're on thirty inch rows, uh, planting a normal thirty four thousand seeds, you know, that that's a seed every six inches. On uh, thirty eight inch rows at thirty four thousand, that's a seed about every five inches. So, you know, that's kind of just kind of a ballpark figure out where you're at. But uh, you know, the the depth, uh, you know, we hear a lot of. Uh, advertisements or talk about well you know two inches deep is really where we need to be uh, you know we've had some planting three inches deep and I think three inches deep early like this especially on heavy clay ground that that's probably asking for trouble so two inch depth is probably where we need to be at uh, the down pressure the closing wheels you know there's lots of moving parts there that uh, we want to get that corn the best opportunity to get out of the ground at the same same day
1: Uh, absolutely and you know and I of course when we talk about getting ready to plant and having that field ready I I always especially with corn immediately think about weeds and what weeds are out there and and the number one or what is quickly becoming our number one weed especially planting is going to be ryegrass in the state And we've just seen a tremendous increase in fields uh, infested with uh, glyphosate-resistant Italian ryegrass. You know, a lot of this is coming out of ditches and and edges of the road, edges of the field, and moving out into the field. Uh, But still, even though it may be scattered, you know, if we plant into that, we're going to probably sacrifice some yield right off the bat. Uh, Jason, looking at some of the uh, data from Mississippi State and Dr. Jason Bond over there, and then we're... After this season, hopefully have some of our own data to to look at that. But ryegrass is becoming a big issue for us in all crops, especially the crops we're trying to plant early, which corn is going to be one of those. And yeah, so,
0: you know, Tom, I as a former weed scientist, I, I would say that uh, ryegrass is ought to be our number one weed concern in corn, you know, at least up front for sure, because uh, you know, I see a lot of fields that this year, especially, that uh, I don't think it ever been, uh, you know, every year they just rehipped up the beds and planted on. But I, I've seen several fields they went in and dissed. You know, I don't know if they felt like they didn't, were going to have the burn down product or maybe they were wanting to do, you know, change things up. But, you know, tillage, I don't think is really going to be very effective to you on ryegrass.
1: I really don't. You know, I think when we get in this time of year, that ryegrass plant has such a root mass on it you know, even, you know, today before it starts joining and and turns reproductive. I mean, that root ball is just so large, it's hard to get inverted and dried out. I mean, it's just, you're really just kind of moving it around more than anything. Yeah. And going back to what you said about the uh, seed to soil contact and, you know, even depth across the field, you know, when, as these planters slide off the beds or, Or move into rough areas of the fields. A lot of times, that depth's not very even uh, as far as seeding depth, and it's going to be that way if you hit a clump of ryegrass too. It's not (laughs) going to be
0: exactly. It's
1: not going to be a very even uh, depth or placement of that seed. So we really need to, you know, focus on residuals in the fall in front of corn and and all really all our broadleaf crops. Uh, You know, rice becomes a little more difficult, but. But uh, we really need to focus on fall residuals uh, in front of corn and and crops that we're going to plant early because that is the best way to uh, remove that ryegrass uh, population from that field. And, and tillage will work early if you can get them early before, you know, before that big root mass forms. Then we can we can remove a lot of them with tillage. But uh, in the spring, it's just not very effective.
0: Tom, the other day, I, I told you. Uh, we were going to that uh, lee county corn cotton meeting the other day there was a, a cotton field there west of marianna uh, went, went by there last fall that, the day they were putting out a fall burn down and uh, went back by there the other day you know early march and uh, clean as could be and i know that field had some ryegrass in it last year so you know you think about saving a burn down and all that i mean Especially if you're planting early, that 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 there really showed the benefit of some of those fall residuals. I mean, it was clean as a tack and uh looked like it was ready to plant.
1: Right. Yeah. It can be a it could be a uh huge benefit. You know, at most we may have to run a uh, you know, just a hipper or just something to pull the beds back straight or something at, at the very least, you know, uh, or at the very most, I guess, if we're using the good fall residual program. And so you know, if we've got the raw grass now, unfortunately, we may be in a in a two shot application uh, type approach to get it out. And so, with corn select, if we're using a product that has select or clethodom in it, that's going to be a thirty day plant back to corn, and so that's not going to fit our window very well with those that want to plant early. So, gramoxone or or anything with paraquat in it. Uh, to me, plus a PS2 inhibiting herbicide could be a uh, metribuzin, could be atrazine will help that paraquat kill that grass. And that's been my standard recommendation for anybody that calls right now and wants to plant the corn is just use a paraquat and plus add either three ounces of dry equivalent metribuzin or uh, a pint of atrazine. But I'd rather save the atrazine for end season. And uh, the other option we could add with it is diuron. Diuron has a label, but uh, we don't see that many folks doing that in front of corn. Probably Metribuzin has the biggest fit to go with the Paraquat uh, to help it get control of this ryegrass. And it still may take two applications to get it out. So I guess my point on that is don't wait too late to get the ryegrass out of the field, uh, especially those fields going to corn or early planted beans.
0: Tom, I I see every year that... uh you know, we talk about all the strategies to control ryegrass, you know, fall applications, gramoxone plus something. And, and then we still have a lot of instances where we have corn up and you got, you got patchy ryegrass, especially along the edges of the field or along the ditch bank or something like that. I mean, what, what, what are we recommending in that situation that Corey got corn up, got ryegrass up out there?
1: Well, if if we get lucky and the ryegrass population population is not resistant to ALS herbicides, we can use, uh, accent Q or steadfast Q steadfast works a little better. Uh, of course, if you've got a hybrid, that's more sensitive to ALS herbicides, you're going to probably yellow that hybrid up a little bit, maybe stun it a little bit depending on the sensitivity there. But, uh, you know, as far as ryegrass control, that's really our only options because glyphosate is not going to work. On most of our populations in the state right now, right. And uh, to be honest, we've got a graduate student working on screening ryegrass populations, and there's a lot of variability out there with these ALS herbicides I'm I'm mentioning right now. And so it's really kind of just how lucky are you? tight deal if you if you get control with with the accent or the steadfast but yeah. i mean it has worked in the past i know you've seen some of that and and uh
0: yeah i saw some uh, last year that i i thought was als resistant but i got really good control with steadfast q so i was i was beyond honest shocked but uh you know different field different situation it might not
1: work as good but it is important to try because you know if we can get in a year where we have uh tight supply of herbicides and our expenses are high for everything for every input we're going to put into this crop uh starting clean is going to be important so we can maximize our yield and and uh, you know whatever we need to do to get that ryegrass out of there we we need to try and yeah. uh, and then just go from there so totally agree but you know if we can keep uh in terms of weed control, if we can keep that crop weed free for six to eight weeks, we're really over the hump season long in terms of losing any yield due to weeds. Now that doesn't mean we won't have a weed problem at the end. I've got a lot of calls lately on morning glories breaking through at the end the last couple of years, but from a yield robbing standpoint, we need that first six to eight weeks to be weed free. And so starting with a good comprehensive program, you know, we always recommend a uh, two-application approach in corn uh, from a weak management standpoint, and there's a lot of different ways we can, uh, or a lot of different herbicides we can add to this mix, but in the past, it, it has been as simple as uh, putting out a something like a dual tube magnum or an S-Metola Chlor out at, uh, out at planting, and then coming back with our post-emergence mix of uh, something like Halix GT plus Atrazine or Caprino plus Atrazine and Roundup. I mean, it can, you know, that's probably the two most common programs in in Arkansas right there, either Halix GT or Caprino plus Atrazine. And so, um, you know, those are going to pick up just about all of our weed issues as far as uh, summer weeds in corn, summer annual weeds. Uh, there can be some that break through that. But if we've got a true morning glory pro- problem in a particular field, uh, we really need an application of uh, herbicide-containing mesotriome somewhere around that 30-inch corn window to give us any kind of residual activity to last till the end. So uh, that will reduce a lot of the morning glories, probably won't get them all. Uh, but you know what I really like uh one of the, my favorite programs, uh, really, in a year where we're going to be burning down and planting back pretty quick, is is to use a herbicide like Verdict. Verdict's got sharpen and outlook in it, and it works very good as a burn down herbicide on our winter annuals as well. And so, Roundup or Glyphosate plus ten ounces of Verdict, and then we're going to stay. We're going to have a pretty clean. A window there until the corn gets about b3 b4 you know 12 inches and then come back with our uh, post-product mix uh, with atrazine at that point point. and so that's worked out well in the past but it can be as simple as just dual plus atrazine pre and follow it with you know dual plus atrazine and roundup post i mean that's not great for resistance management but it works
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I think a lot of producers are hesitant to put uh, a lot of money in that first application you know a lot of do, do do or uh you know something like that just to tie them over make sure they get a stand and then they want to you know that that uh, v3 v4 v5 application
1: is really really the critical one isn't it tom uh, absolutely and yeah. the earlier we plant um the less likely we're going to have a lot of competition from our summer annuals right i mean it, it takes once we get on into the middle of April, then we're going to have a lot of summer annuals start to start to emerge and compete with our crop. But if we're in a March early April planting window, we're going to have some time before those uh, summer annuals start to emerge and, and compete. And so that it is really critical though uh, to prevent that competition around that V4 V5 stage. So we need to be timely. I can't tell you, you know, we get across a lot of acres really fast but you know i haven't seen what they call an average spring lately at all so uh, (laughs) i don't know how many spray days we're going to have so you know timely is easy for us to talk about here on the podcast for everybody to be timely but real world scenarios don't play out that easy and so that's where that residual up front really does buy some insurance uh, to get us to a good spray day you know, around that V4, V5 window and reduce that weed competition until then. And that's why yeah. I think it works so well for us. Yeah. Well, anything else we need to talk about? What are, what are the thoughts? Tom,
0: I, I think we talked a little bit about planting dates. I know, like I say, we've got some corn going in the ground, and of course, You know, somebody starts planning and then uh, his neighbor thinks, oh, I'm late. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, our planning date studies, I mean, it depends on north to south where you are in the state. But I mean, we've got a four to six week window typically when we can maximize yield. So March 15th to the end of April, kind of depending on where you're at. But South Arkansas, you know, mid-March to uh, 25th of April probably be a good time frame you know we got a pretty pretty wide window in there so I'm, I'm shooting for the day that I can get the best stand not necessarily by the calendar and I think that's something you know especially when we get people started planting fairly early I think people want to jump in and start planting it as well but uh, you know stands everything we still got quite a bit of time and so I'm not in any big rush to get out there and uh, get my corn planted either
1: well, and you never know what's going to happen, right? Because last year it seemed like we had another winter like in the first week of May. Wasn't it the first week of May last yeah, year that got real cold? Yeah. Well, you
0: get last year, year before, they all run together. But, yeah, sometimes early May it can be pretty cold.
1: Right, yeah. And so you just never know when that's going to happen. But uh, So we just hope it's going to be a good year. I mean, I think uh, everybody's ready to go and get another one under the belt. You know, right now, commodity prices are the positive thing looking up. And so we just got to be able to afford enough inputs to put in this crop, I guess. That's
0: right. That's right. Take advantage of the good prices or what looks to be good prices. So uh, right. we can get, get the inputs and get everything taken care of. Uh, I think we're going to have a good year. Be challenging year, but uh, or a different year for sure. But I think uh, for our grain farmers, it looks like a, a good year coming along.
1: All right. Well, I know they'll uh, be happy to... Uh, capitalize on that and so uh well anything else we need to say before we wrap this up no i I don't think so tom like i say i appreciate uh the
0: invitation to be here on here today
1: oh yeah well we appreciate you joining us uh for this week's episode of the podcast and just for our listeners out there uh we just want to let y'all know that uh, we welcome any feedback that y'all have on these podcasts that we do Uh, Again, on a a weekly basis, uh, you can email myself, tbarber, at uada.edu if you have any comments or any suggestions for future podcasts or reach out to Dr. Tommy Butts or Dr. Jason Norsworthy. Again, we thank Dr. Jason Kelly for joining us today, talking about these early season corn planting decisions. And uh, we, again, just wish everyone a safe and successful start with the 2022 growing season. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Weeds on Wall podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio.
0: Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.